0: CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. I have a detective friend. report on how the high become mighty, how robbers become barons, and the grand, larcenous. This tale of I'm about to reveal to you has never been surpassed or even equaled in the annals of crime, but then they don't make crooks like Donald Harvey anymore. At least I hope not. Mr. Kellogg,
1: will you please stop asking me questions? Mrs. Rusk, investigation is my job. There's no way around it. I don't care what your job is. Please, go away. How can I talk to the police? When two days after my husband's been killed, I I get a letter from him as if he was still alive.
0: Our mystery drama, The Copenhagen Connection, written especially for the Mystery Theater by Gerald Keene, stars Ralph Bell. It is sponsored in part by ARM Allergy Relief Medicine, and CONTACT. The 12 hour cold capsule. I'll be back shortly with Act One. The time is today, or shall we say, quite recently. The place in the mountain ranges of California, 1,100 feet above the Mojave Desert. And the next voice to talk to us, that of Sam Kellogg of the California Patrol. This is where it began, the October 10th. A small chartered airplane had struck the side of the San Bernardino Mountains, bordering the California Mojave Desert. I got there as the bodies were being pulled from the wreckage. The impact of the crash and the planes leaving very little for identification. Did you say very little, Sam? Oh. I'd say less than nothing. Three bodies are all we could find, but who could tell who they were? Any word on the plane, George, whose it was? Yeah, yeah, I got a message radioed through that it may have been a twin-engine fanjet chartered from Mexico City from a private company. Give me a hand over here, George, in back of these rocks. Yes, I thought I saw the sun shining on a piece of metal. Grab that in. Let's turn it over. Hey, it looks like a piece of the tail? Uh, can you read it, then? that is a sort of scorched. Is that an N? Uh, N and L. N L one o nine. Yeah, that's a uh, nine or is it uh, an eight? One o nine A. Get that under the radio, John. Yeah, we'll do. One o nine A. What do you think, Sam? Feel like guessing what happened? I hate guessing. Better wait and see what the FAA reads out of the flight instrument recorder. Yeah, you're the boss. George, send out that uh, radio description and then uh, let's head back to town. There's nothing else we can do here right now. Interesting thing about that flight instrument recorder. Our boys searched three miles in all directions. It never turned up. That was my first clue that something funny was going on. Then clues two, three, four, and five came in mighty fast. Uh, Sam, I've got more on that plane crash. Uh, The guy who hired the plane was Donald Harvey. Hmm. I wonder if it was the Donald Harvey, the one who's made a deal to sing to the Attorney General? Yeah, the king of the dope empire not exactly the king george more like the prime minister hey, who heads up that big smuggling combine today they call the viking the whole copenhagen connection his baby <laughs> a viking yeah i've never heard of them yeah, a few people have the viking stays out of sight he's never even been photographed how do they know donald harvey was on that plane well, his brother identified the remains <laughs> doesn't that beat all not even the fbi knew he had a brother Anyone else identified? Oh, uh, yeah. The two others in the crash were, uh, let's see, Juan Rodriguez, a pilot who worked for the Mexican Charter Air Company, and a man who's probably Harry Rusk, Harvey's assistant. Well, it's not much to go on. We do know Harvey was a fugitive. He was indicted in Miami. He got his lawyers to try to cop a plea, and has been on the run ever since. Well, that's not all, Sam. I just got a call from a man and his wife who live not ten miles from where the plane hit. They swore they heard two sounds. One was an explosion in the air right over their heads. And then minutes later, they heard the plane smash into the mountain. Remember asking me yesterday, George, if I wanted to guess? Well, if I was to, I'd say it looks like somebody had a contract out on Harvey. And scored a direct hit. Sam Kellogg, California Patrol. I'd like to speak to Jerry Harvey, the brother of the gentleman who was on that plane. Ah well, I'm Jerry Harvey, officer. Come on in. What can I do for you, Mr. Kellogg? Mr. Harvey, I understand it was you who identified your brother. Is that a fact? Uh, Yes, I did. Uh, Gruesome experience. If I'm not being too intrusive, I'd like to know how you identified your brother... I saw the bodies of the morgue, and they were so burned and disfigured that even the dental records were useless. Hey, well, that's uh, that's what I meant when I said gruesome. Naturally, I couldn't ask Linda. that that's uh, Mrs. Harvey to make the identification, so I had to. You see, uh, Mr. Kellogg, we did know Donald would be on that private charter flying up from Mexico City. It would kind of you know, a secret visit, you understand, to he, Mrs. Harvey. You said visit? Visit his own wife? Yes. Yeah, they're estranged. They're not living together. Uh, Linda's staying with me here on the ranch. You mean she's here now? Yes, she is, but she's still very shook up about the accident. It's true they didn't get along, but when the man you marry dies all of a sudden like that, well, that takes a lot out of you. How about uh, answering my question, Mr. Harvey, you uh, were able to identify your brother, Donald Harvey? Yes, yes. There was uh, one piece of clothing I was shown that uh, made me fairly certain. What was that? Uh, Just a little piece of a tie. A necktie? Yeah. As I'd given it to Don for his birthday, had it specially made for him, a tie with a red boat on it. I'd like to see that if I may. Oh, well, uh, I'm afraid you can't. Oh, why not? Well, after the body was released to me, out of deference to Linda and the family, I had Don cremated. The cause of the crash was as mysterious as ever. I took the next commercial flight out to L.A., touched down in Mexico City, and went to see the widow of the deceased pilot. She wasn't home. I waited... Mrs. Rodriguez. Mrs. Juan Rodriguez?
1: Yes, that is me. And who are you?
0: Sam Kellogg, California Patrol. i might like to ask you some questions about your husband.
1: My husband? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Anything. Oh, going to go into my house. Oh, I've lost my front door key. Where did I leave it?
0: Perhaps you uh, put it on the seat with the ignition key of your uh, beautiful new car. Oh.
1: You are right. That is what I did. I'll get it.
0: I'll uh, come along with you, Mr. Rodriguez. I've never seen one of these big babies close up.
1: Oh, I like it, too. With your husband? Oh, no. I just picked it
0: up. Oh, suede leather seats. Sure must have set you back a couple of pesos,
1: eh? Oh, here are the keys. Just as you said, Mr. Oh, I forgot the name. Uh, Sam Kellogg. Oh. Come
0: into my house. Thank you. Uh, how about answering my question, uh, Mrs. Rodriguez? You asked me a question? What was it? I'm just interested to know how many pesos this big new car set your back.
1: Oh, I had no idea. It was paid for by the company.
0: The airplane charter company gave you that car as a gift? Oh,
1: a gift? I don't know. They, they call it uh, compensation.
0: Oh, the uh, insurance on his life, I suppose.
1: I don't know. They just call me and say, it is yours, Mrs. Rodriguez. Take it home.
0: Yeah. Ah. Uh, Mrs. Rodriguez, I uh, plan to be here in Mexico City for a few days, and if I may, I'll call on you again. I want to know whatever your husband uh, knew about his passengers.
1: Oh, I don't think he knows anything. He, he flies where they tell him to fly. Oh, but of course I shall see you. <laughs> Any.
0: Good. Uh, by the way, uh, what's the name of the head of the airplane charter service your husband worked for? Oh,
1: the head? Oh, the man who owns it is Carlos Palacios.
0: Ah, thank you, Mr. Rodriguez. Much obliged. Uh, hello, uh, Mr. Palacios. Uh, this is Sam Kellogg, California Patrol. I'd like to uh, come to talk to you uh, about that accident involving one of your planes last week up our way. Kellogg. Yes, that's right. This evening, be fine. I'll take a taxi out to your hangar. Eight o'clock, I'll be there. Oh, uh, um, by the way, uh, that was a rather nice gift you made to your pilot's widow. Well, I'm talking about that expensive new car. Are you sure? Well, she said your company gave it to her. Part of the insurance. Oh, Really? Uh, That's uh, what she said. We'll discuss it further when I see you tonight, Mr. Palacios. See you.
1: California
0: Patrol. Hello, George. This is Sam. Oh, hi, Sam. I'm down in Mexico City. Now, check out if there is any other connection between the pilot Rodriguez and uh, Donald Harvey. You
1: mean other than the fatal flight? Will do.
0: Is there uh, anything new? Yeah.
1: Harvey's widow has left California. Took an eastbound flight
0: last night for New York. And is booked through to Copenhagen, Denmark. Hmm. What does uh, Jerry Harvey have to say? Uh, He knows from nothing. He's taken off for Big Bear up in the hills where he's got a vacation log cabin. Can you uh, assign a man to follow him, George? I've already done that. Are you winding up in Mexico City, Sam? Well, I hope to. Maybe the day after tomorrow I'll go on to Chicago. Chicago? Yes, the third man on that plane may have been Harvey's assistant, Harry Rusk. Chicago was his home base, and if he's got any relatives in the Windy City, I plan to talk to him. I'll call him from there, George. It checked out. Harry Rusk's wife, or perhaps widow, lived in a fancier part of Chicago.
1: You're sure I, I can't give you a cup of coffee? Oh, uh, Thank you, no, Mrs.
0: Rusk. I know it's a bad time to start asking questions when one has suffered the kind of tragedy you have... But it is my job, and I'll try to be as tactful and as delicate as I can.
1: I understand, Mr. Kellogg. I'll tell you whatever I know. Good.
0: First of all, you did go to the morgue to identify your husband's remains? To
1: California? No. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. They sent me a photograph, but I tore it up. I telegraphed back that it was Harry. So you uh, don't really know, then? What difference does seeing him make... Harry was always with Mr. Harvey. No question about that.
0: You're basing your identification on the assumption that Donald Harvey was on that plane. Why
1: shouldn't I? If Harry wasn't on that plane, why hasn't he been in touch with me? It's not very tactful or delicate of you, Mr. Kellogg, to imply my husband may be alive and pretending to be dead. One last question. Has your attorney been in touch with you about your husband's will? He's not our attorney anymore. I mean, the one we used to have here in Chicago. I see. Can you uh, tell me more? No, I I can't. I don't want to talk about it. To understand correctly, you've changed attorneys. May I ask why? No. No. Please, stop asking questions. Mrs. Rusk, I told you this investigation is my job. It's not easy for me, either. Easy. How can I talk to the police when two days after Harry's been killed I get a letter from him as if he were still alive?
0: A letter from
1: Mr. Rush? Yes, from Mexico City. He, he wrote, I'll be seeing you soon, darling. And then more about a new lawyer in Copenhagen. I, I, I can't talk about it now. Can't you understand? It's too real. It's like a voice from the grave. Now, will you please go away and stop asking questions? Please. Between Mexico City,
0: the mountains of the Mojave Desert, and Copenhagen, there was a link. A lawyer there? Why? Mrs. Harvey on her way there? Again, why? Something was rotten in that state of Denmark, and my misgivings would not go away. A friend, the detective, tells me the great sleuths are great because they try never to overlook a single fact. The tiniest bit of fluff in a trouser cuff may hold a clue that sheds the light on a personal act that hides the motive that points a finger at the perpetrator of the crime. There's a nursery rhyme, something like that. I'll try to remember it before the end of today's story, and I'll be back shortly with that too. Act two, the second of what may be an extraordinary series of acts to disguise a triple murder. The how it was done, the why it was done, is the mystery that confronts Sam Kellogg as he weighs the evidence in his California office with George Towers, his deputy. You know, George, when the facts don't dovetail, I work from the end back to the beginning. Take Donald Harvey. Tell me about him, George. Invited in Miami. Implicated in a multi-million dollar cocaine traffic. And got away to Mexico before the marshals could grab him. All right, that was step one. Then his attorneys got in touch with the FBI and the Attorney General and offered a squeal on the entire worldwide operation for a grant of immunity. I suppose Harvey had gotten safety for blowing off the lid. Who would want him dead? Well, the guys he was going to rat on. Exploding his plane could have been their solution. So, who do we look for? Well, whoever'd been afraid of him. Yes, whoever they are. In the meantime, what do we know? I studied this FBI report. They say the proceeds are laundered through Denmark. Aha. Uh-huh. The Copenhagen connection. Is there anything else? Not that I can see. Take a good look at that report. It doesn't hit you? No photograph of him? Not a single one? Well, I don't see how that matters now. Oh, you're done, huh? Okay. Let's count up suspects who may have had a hand in that crash. Any suspects? Everyone. Starting with his brother Jerry, who cremates the body in a real hurry. Well, let's see. Harvey's estranged wife, Linda, who takes a sudden, unexplained trip to Copenhagen. Well, those two are it. Oh, no, no, there's more. The pilot's wife, Carmen Rodriguez, who gets a gift of 100,000 pesos worth of a new automobile. Who gave it to him? She lies. Not a very bright dame, I'd say. Well, she's suspect number three. Perhaps not directly involved, but she knows more than she says. Four. The widow of Harry Rusk. She gets a letter from her husband telling her his new attorney lives in Copenhagen. Uh, Huh? Copenhagen again. Now, have you got a report on the conversations between the L.A. control tower and the NL-109A before she crashed? Well, you're not gonna like this, Sam. I'm well, all right. Hit me. When I checked there yesterday, they told me the tape conversation had been accidentally erased. Ah. ah. <laughs> the plot gets thicker and thicker. What about the flight recorder? It never showed up. Now we combed the crash area. That doesn't smell good either. Those flight recorders are virtually indestructible. Conclusion? I was never on the plane. I not know. What's behind this? A lot of money. Somebody had to make it worthwhile for Rodriguez in Mexico City. Somebody else had the monkey with the tape in L.A. And somewhere, a great big cocaine empire is still doing business as usual. George, get yourself down to Mexico City. Start with the head of the charter service, Mr. Carlos Palacios, and grab him. Then move over to the pilot's widow. You're a nice-looking young fella... Don't leave her until you get something out of her. What are you going to do? I'm packing a bag for Copenhagen. Who are they? Why don't you open the door and see, honey? Oh,
1: George! How oh, darling! What are you doing in Mexico City?
0: Not out here, Carmen. You can hug me inside. Oh. I'm here on official business, baby.
1: Oh, come in, come in, you big fool. right.
0: How could you be so dumb? What are you talking, George? My boss, Sam Kellogg, comes down here to interview you, and you drive up in a brand new car. Well, what is wrong? Look, let me finish. Then you tell him Palacios of the Charter Airways, who knows nothing from nothing, gave it to you as compensation for Juan's death. So? He could have? Huh? So, you fool. Don't you think Sam would check on your story? Why did you have to tell him that? In fact, why did you have to wave all your money around so soon? Couldn't you keep him until everything cooled off? He's
1: why you came all the way from California to scold me? Oh, George, I thought you loved me.
0: Yeah, I do love you, baby, but there's too much at stake for me to get hooked up with a stupid dame.
1: Why do you keep calling me stupid?
0: I, I've got to come up with some story why you lied about the car. But that's not the big problem. Oh, what is? It's Jerry. If he finds out you were out of line, come on, you know what he's like.
1: He would do nothing for a little mistake. Hungry partner?
0: me set you straight, Carmen. Right now, the number one man in the USA is Jerry, taking over from Don.
1: Did he make the accident?
0: Jerry had nothing to do with it, believe me. Then who? A Viking. Copenhagen.
1: From the top? They gave the order?
0: (laughs) Who else? I mean, Jerry's trying to find out. He's afraid, I think. Maybe Copenhagen doesn't like Jerry either. Jerry could be next. So could you or I. Now do you understand, Carmen? No, George. Oh, thank heavens. You're beautiful. It makes up for everything else.
1: Uh, You like me, don't you, George?
0: One last word, honey. Lay low. Don't spend any money. You're leaving?
1: But you just got here.
0: Got to put on my shield and go back to California. And go see Jerry. Let me make myself clear, Mr. Knutson. The reason I've come here to Copenhagen is that we're trying to clear up the death of Mr. Donald Harvey, the husband of your client, Mrs. Harvey. Now, there are a number of suspicious circumstances surrounding his death, and I have not yet been able to talk to his widow. Well, I don't think, Mr. Kellogg, I can be as much help to you. There's such a thing as a attorney-client privilege, and I'm not free to answer any questions unless I have my client's permission. I understand that, Mr. Kuntzer, but my questions are so simple, they won't require jeopardizing any confidences. Well, if we can proceed on that basis, by all means. All right, I gather then that you are representing Mrs. Donald Harvey. It's quite true, yes. Were you representing Mr. Harvey before that? I'm afraid I can't answer that. Could you arrange for me to see his widow? Well, when I see your speaker, I shall ask her, but uh, as yet I haven't seen her. She's in Copenhagen, I believe, but I've yet to hear from her one last question. Would you say that the matter you wish to discuss with Mrs. Harvey involves a great deal of money? (laughs) Mr. Kellogg, you tickle me. You've asked what in both our law courts, yours and mine, here in Denmark, is called a leading question. Now, I have not seen Mrs. Harvey, nor have I said there was something about which I wished to see her. As for money, a little or a great deal, what difference would that make? Uh, Mr. Harvey worked very hard for his money and made a considerable amount, so his widow is likely to benefit. Well, I shall certainly ask if she will see you. Good day, Mr. Kellogg. Mm-hmm. Jerry, how's the fishing? What are you doing up here, George? Boy, you got a good thing going for you up here at Big Bear. If I could get away from the patrol, believe me, here is right where I'd be. At the end of a fishing pole. George, you picked a bad time to pay a social call. I came up to find out the news and give you some. What news? There isn't any. And I got some for you. Sam Kellogg is in Copenhagen. He went to talk to Don's wife. But, didn't it? He's getting mighty suspicious. Suspicious of what? That it was the Viking who was responsible for the accident so he could get rid of Don. <laughs> Does Sam really think that? <laughs> He's going to try to prove it. Oh, George, George, you are something. When Don told me he was putting a state patrolman on the payroll, I thought he'd be smarter than you. Oh, if you and I had met before Don was killed, I uh, I don't think I would have okayed you. I thought I was doing okay. (laughs) Well, let's hope in time you'll learn. Nobody had anything to do with that plane crash. Not the Viking. None of us. It really was an accident? It was. So you see, when a guy tries to rat on his pals, even though he was my brother... Sometimes fate pays him off. Yeah, but that doesn't explain who paid off Carmen Rodriguez, or or why Linda Harvey hops on a plane for Copenhagen. Uh, you're the police officer, George. That's for you to find out. Now, all I know is we got rid of a rat. business as usual. No indictments, no attorney general, no FBI, no hassle. Okay. So if you don't mind, Georgie, I'd like to get back to a little quiet fishing. (coughs) I killed a day hanging around my hotel in Copenhagen, waiting for a word from Sven Knudsen. Next day, I wired George and then did some sightseeing. When I got back to the hotel, there was a message to meet Knudsen right away at his office. I got to the building. He was in the street, waiting. He jumped into my cab, gave the driver an address, and we were off. Where have you been, Mr. Kellogg? Mr. Kellogg son, I don't get you at all. First, you're putting up roadblocks about seeing the lady. And then it's, where were you? An hour ago, I got a call from Mrs. Harvey. She changed hotels twice, and she was staying at a small boarding house under an assumed name. I told her who you were, Mr. Kellogg, and she said to please bring you over right away. Is she in some kind of danger? Well, it's possible. There are those in Copenhagen who would do anything to even discord with her husband. Even now when Don Harvey is dead? Even now. This is it, room 313. Mrs. Harvey? Mrs. Harvey? It's
1: me, Sven Knudsen.
0: Try the door. Yeah. Uh, The door's locked. Uh, Mrs. Harvey? Mrs. Harvey, are you all right? We'd better break the door down. Stand away. I don't know how to do this. Uh, Mrs. Harvey? You better let me handle this, Sven. Call the Copenhagen police. Tell them that someone's been shot to death. More deaths, more problems. And the solution seems further away with every passing hour. So far, Sam Kellogg has kept us completely in the picture. We know everything that he does. So that if there are detectives among us, we could solve this mystery. In fact, we know more than Sam does. For we know his deputy, George, is not on the side of the law. I'll return shortly with Act Three. That nursery rhyme I was trying to remember that applies to the detection of crime goes like this. This is the farmer sowing his corn that milked the cow with a crumpled horn that tossed the dog that worried the cat that killed the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. In other words, all clues are irrevocably linked in a chain. It was nice of you, Sven, to drive me out here to the airport. Oh, it's nothing, Sam. You helped me with all the paperwork details over the late Mrs. Harvey. When a foreigner is murdered in Copenhagen, it uh, presents so many problems. What stumps me is that the coroner reported she'd been dead 24 hours. And you said she called you the day we went there. Yes, she did. I'm prepared to swear it, not an hour before. Well, obviously, whoever called you was not Mrs. Harvey. I wish I could stay on to tie up all these loose threads, but I've got to get back to California. well, I wish you could, too, Sam. I learned a lot being with you. Let's hope the Copenhagen police come up with something. One thing... I haven't resolved, Sam. Hmm? That is the matter of Mrs. Harvey's money. Oh, you mean the $1 million deposited in her name? Exactly. You have no idea why that money was put there? No, no, none whatsoever, Sam. I received my instruction from Mr. Harvey before he died, and I followed... From where was it sent? Uh, Mexico City. When? Uh, It was mailed eight days before the plane crashed. It took his life... Then, uh, what did you do, Swan? Well, Linda Harvey was still legally Mr. Harvey's wife. I telephoned her and told her to come over and claim the money. Well, why didn't you merely have it transferred to her account in California? Uh, oh, it, uh, it, it, it didn't occur to me, and uh, she didn't mention it. That's hard to believe, Swan. Mm-hmm. Couldn't it have been because you were not certain it was clean money? Oh, I beg your pardon? No, never mind. You wouldn't tell me anyway. You will make sure that that million dollars does not leave Copenhagen? It may very well belong to Uncle Sam. Oh, certainly, certainly. I'm only the trustee. Oh, uh, by the way, do you have your plane ticket? Yes, I'm on the intercontinental noon flight with a uh, stopover in New York. Ah, well, why don't you give me your ticket? I'll have it validated and so you won't have to stand in line. All right. There you are. Uh, good, and your passports. Yeah. Uh, thanks. I'll be right back. Uh, you wait here. Uh, Sven, uh, Sven uh, where are you going? Uh, uh, well, what is it? What's the matter? Intercontinental's ticket counter is around your right. We walk past it. It's not that way. Well, I know it is. But if I go through the operations door over there, I, I can have it taken care of in the office much faster. Boy, you really know your way around this airport. Well, I should. Before I became a lawyer, I used to pilot these 707s for Intercontinental. <laughs> I'll be back in a few minutes. So Sven Knudsen used to be a pilot. Stow away that bit of information. It was as automatic a reflex of me as blinking my eye. I knew I should follow that Danish lawyer, and I did. Through a door, up some stairs, and into a room filled with tickers and flight monitors. I could see Sven Knudsen at the far end of the room talking to someone trying to get closer, I didn't see an airport guard bearing down on me. Excuse me, sir. Huh? But passengers are not allowed in this part of the tunnel. I'm an officer of the law, California. I've been following someone. Oh, may I see you're at the vacation? Oh, yes, yes, here we are. That's my badge and ID card. Uh-huh. Samuel Kellogg, California patrol. May I see your passport, please? Well, I haven't got an army. I-, I gave it to an attorney. Oh, yes? He, he was over there a moment ago. Oh, Mr. Kellogg, if you don't mind, I have to ask you to come with me to the security office. This way, please. Which which way are we headed? Oh, no. No, not that way, Mr. Kellogg. Not up the escalator. Follow me. Well, that, that woman halfway up the escalator, I- I'm sure I've seen her. Mr. So Kellogg, let's not plug in. Do this door, please. Where have you been? I've been looking for you everywhere. Your, your flight leaves in a few minutes. God, this is the attorney who has my passport. Sven, will you show it to the airport security guard? Oh, of course, of course. Here you are. I can vouch for this man. He's an American police officer. Ah, nice, very good. Have a pleasant journey back to America. Good day, sir. Uh, and here's your ticket and your boarding pass, sir. Yes. Of course. That. So it was, Mrs. Harry Rusk. Who? I saw her just now, going up an escalator in the terminal. What do you suppose she's doing in Copenhagen? I, I, I don't know the oh, lady. come on, Sven, you must. Harry Rusk's wife, Rusk, Harvey's right-hand man. I'm sorry, I was never
1: introduced.
0: Oh, that's me. All right, Sven, thanks again. I hope I see you again soon. Well, why would you wish that? Well, maybe because I learned a lot being with you. when and stonewalling me. Of course he knew Mrs. Harry Rusk and a great deal more that time and the plane's takeoff stopped me from checking into. We were airborne, and as the flight attendants pulled down the shades for the in-flight movie, it occurred to me that perhaps Mrs. Rusk was on this very same plane. I started my search up one aisle and down the other. Hello, Mrs. Rusk. Am I sitting beside you? I uh, didn't expect to find you on your way back to the States from Copenhagen.
1: I came to Copenhagen to meet with Howard, the new lawyer.
0: Yes. Uh, was his name uh, Sven Knudsen?
1: Oh, I guess.
0: Well, I thought so. And you came because a large sum of money was to be given to you from your husband? Oh, you seem to know much more about this than I do. Mrs. Rusk, of all those connected with the plane accident, I do believe that you've tried to be honest with me. So I'll be candid with you. What would you say if I said it's possible that your husband is a lie? What? That someone took his place on that fatal trip from Mexico City? Oh, you,
1: you've upset me terribly. Oh. Excuse me for a moment. Which way are the bathrooms? There are uh, some kind up forward. Oh, I, I want to take something. I, I really don't feel at all well.
0: Minutes went by. I kept my eye on the forward part of the plane, but it was hard to see Anything? After about ten minutes, I got up and went forward to find Mrs. Rusk. I found her all right, doubled up in one of the toilets. Someone had tried to strangle her, and she had fainted. Mrs. Rusk, Mrs. Rusk, how are you feeling?
1: Scared. Scared.
0: All right, all right, all right. Just uh, settle back and take it easy, huh? All right
1: would have happened if if you hadn't found me. All right, all right. That's
0: all behind us. Now, uh, what I'd like you to do is try to recall exactly what happened after you left your seat and went forward to the bathroom. Welcome home, Sam. You uh, look pretty beat. Yeah. You try 6,000 miles on a plane with an attempted murder and a sailor on board who gets away from it. Someone tried to strangle Mrs. Rusk. And although I had the plane searched during our New York stopover, everybody on the plane checked out and was cleared. Well, that doesn't make much sense. Why would anyone try to kill Mrs. Rusk? I asked myself the same question. Did you get my wire about Mrs. Harvey being shot? Oh, well, I didn't know what to make out of that either. You didn't? It beats me, Sam. Now, let me, uh, let me think about it. Maybe I could figure something out. Yeah, you do that, George. Hey, are you angry at me? No, no, I'm just tired. I'm going to hit the showers and then the sack. Then I'll tell you where we go from here. Jerry? Jerry, let me in the cabin. Open up, it's me, George. What in the blazes is the matter with you? You want the whole mountain to know you're here? Sam's back. The crash was no accident, Jerry. You say. Sam says. Says it was fixed. And I tell you, the Viking told me he had no hand in it. That must have been an accident. But it is possible the Viking had a contract out on Don, and whoever had it, or may have let it get out of hand. They could have jumped the gun. Sure, it's possible. Anything's possible. But in this business, George, there's a chain of command. And what the Viking says goes. Did he tell you face-to-face? I never met the man. Don was the only one who ever did. Viking takes care of the shipments, and Don and I did the selling. And that crash was an accident. Believe me. All right, Jerry, if you say so, I just wish I'd met your brother, Don. Well, you were just beginning with us. All he could trust you with was the pickups and the deliveries. Now, George, move your tail out of here. George Stewart! Gary Harvey! Mr. Sam Pella! You are surrounded! I advise
1: you to open this cabin door and come
0: out with your hands up. That's Sam! What's the matter with him? I'll go and talk to him. Hey, Sam, everything's under control. It's me, George. I know it's you, George. Now, you just tell your friend Harvey to come out that door with you. But, Sam... don't well, make me do anything hasty, George. Your hands up, and Harvey's right behind the air. Now, come on out, both of you. Unless you'd like us to come in there after you. I'm sorry I had to put you both in the same cell, but we're a little crowded. Sam, what are you locking me up in here with Jerry Harvey for? Are you out of your mind? I have a right to see my lawyer. Oh, well, please, one at a time, gentlemen. No, George, I'm not out of my mind, but I admit I was a little slow in wising up whose side you were on. And Mr. Harvey, your lawyer will be here in a moment. Uh, He's in Copenhagen. No, I'm afraid he isn't. Uh, Guard, will you escort the gentleman with the briefcase to the cell block, please? Mr. Harvey, your lawyer is Mr. Sven Knudsen, isn't he? Uh, yes, but how dare he... He'll be here in just a moment. Damn, can you tell me one single thing I should be put behind bars for? All right. How about conspiracy, George, just for openers? Ah, here we are. Mr. Knudsen, I'm glad you could join us. I believe you have a client in this cell. Guard, would you unlock the cell door, please? If you would be so good as to step inside. Thank you, sir. Gentlemen, this is going to be quite a session. I advise the three of you to make yourselves comfortable and listen. I should like it understood that I'm in your jail under protest, and as a Daily citizen, I demand to be released. Demand? You can demand all you like, Sven, but I think you'll not want to miss what I have to say. You see, there was once a man called Don Hardy. He knew that another gentleman, whom we shall call the Viking, had a contract out on him. So Harvey engineered that crash to make it look accidental. He got some poor slob to substitute on the plane for him. And with a time bomb, also sent an innocent pilot and his own assistant to their death. As Mr. Knutson will confirm, Donald Harvey did not die. Isn't that so, Sven? I have never met the gentleman. All right, then let me introduce you. The gentleman seated right next to you is Donald Harvey. He has no brother called Jerry. He never had. Jerry is Don Harvey? Oh, yes, George. But Don wasn't all bad, were you, Don? He took care of people so they keep quiet, wouldn't question his death. He had money sent to the pilot's widow, to his own ex-wife, to his assistant's wife. Sizable sons. But you had other ideas, didn't you, Sven? Why hand all that money over to those women? Perhaps a little double-cross? You are holding near an American prison under protest. He has no jurisdiction over a Danish citizen. Oh, but I do. The crime's committed against an American citizen. I think we can prove that you shot and killed Mrs. Harvey in Copenhagen and attempted to strangle Mrs. Rusk on an intercontinental flight in mid-air. I was not on that flight. Have you forgotten, Sven? You most certainly were. As a former pilot, all you had to do was ask your old buddies, could you fly with them in the cockpit? And naturally, when we came into New York, they were reluctant to tell the authorities of your little joyride. It's against regulations, isn't it? It's pure speculation, Mr. Kellogg. It's a man to see the Danish ambassador. And so you shall, sir. The ambassador has been notified that we have apprehended a man both our countries have long been looking for. The mastermind of the Copenhagen connection? Donald George? May I introduce you to Mr. Sven Knudsen? Otherwise known as... The Viking. By way of post. I'd like to reassure you about one thing. Should you run into any person with a similar name to the characters just portrayed on Mystery Theater, don't be alarmed. Their real names I have kept secret. So you can shake hands with any Sven Knutson or Don Harvey or George Towers without any hesitation. They're all quite innocent. I shall be back shortly.
1: I'm Susan Anton, and there is a better way to sleep. with pillow soft top. Choose from a full range of comfort and firmness combination.
0: Contacts continuous relief. One contact works after twelve hours. Helps relieve all your congestive symptoms, all day, all night. That's the wonder of contact. contact. Take over, as directed. ago warned us against the conspiracy of criminals when he said, the contagion of crime is like that of the plague. Criminals collected together corrupt each other. They are worse than ever when at the end of their punishment, they return to society. A few words, I say, to the wise. Our cast included Ralph Bell, Lloyd Batista, Bryna Rayburn, and Earl Hammond. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule, and ARM, allergy relief medicine. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.